Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in paying tribute to Highlander Scott McLaren of the Highlanders 4th Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland. This week, I witnessed at first hand the sacrifice of our soldiers. I pay tribute to the bravery and dedication of this particular soldier who was lost in such tragic circumstances. Our thoughts will rightly be with his family and his friends at this very sad time, but we pay tribute to him and all like him who serve our country so magnificently in Afghanistan and elsewhere. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr Ronnie Campbell. Can I, Mr Speaker, agree with the sentiments that the Prime Minister has made as a father has a son servant in the Royal Marines and has his duty in Afghanistan? It's a dreaded thing, thinking when they're there, you get that knock on the door that he's lost an action. And our sympathies are for you to go with yeah, Scott's yeah. father and yeah, mother and yeah, family yeah, yeah, yeah. in that particular time. But is it right, Mr Speaker, that yesterday we give £10 billion to the bailout of the banks in Greece? We give £7 billion to the bailout in Ireland. We give £100 billion, this is the British taxpayer, £100 million a year for the, the, the quality of the banks in this country for insurance and purposes and other purposes. Why does the Prime Minister not get on his bike and go down to his friends in the city and sack a few spivs and speculators and banks instead of picking First of all, Mr Speaker, it is this government that has put a bank levy on the banks, so they are paying more in every year than they paid in the bank bonus tax under the last government. In terms of Greece, I've kept us out of a European bailout of Greece. In terms of Ireland, I would say that economy is so close and integrated with ours, it is right that we give them support. That, I think, is the right approach. But this government is being tough in terms of making sure the banks pay their fair share. Mr David Burrows. Severe droughts, conflicts and food prices have combined viciously yes. in the Horn of Africa, mm. creating desperate hunger and threatening the lives of millions. Mm. With aid agencies short of funds, what is the government doing to help? Well, as ever, DFID is being extremely effective in working very quickly to try and help with this appalling crisis where 10 million people are at threat of uh, starvation. I think it once again demonstrates that we are right to maintain and increase our spending in this, difficult er in this area, yeah, yeah. difficult as the arguments sometimes are. But in spite of the difficulties we have here and elsewhere in Europe, it is nothing like these people facing starvation and death unless we help them. Ed Miliband. Mr Speaker, can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Highlander Scott McLaren of the Highlanders 4th Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland. He was a young man who was serving our country and died in the most horrific circumstances. I'm sure the thoughts of the whole House are with his family and friends. Mr Speaker, the whole country has been appalled by the disclosures about phone hacking. The 7-7 victims, the parents of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman, and, of course, the phone of Millie Dowler. That anyone could hack into her phone, listen to her family's frantic messages, and delete them, giving false hope to those parents, is immoral and a disgrace. Yeah. 
Given the gravity of what has occurred, will the Prime Minister support the calls for a full, independent public inquiry to take place as soon as practical into the culture and practices of British newspapers? Let me be very clear. Yes, we do need to have uh, an inquiry, possibly inquiries, into what has happened. Let us be clear. We are no longer talking here about politicians and celebrities. We're talking about murder victims, potentially terrorist victims, having their phones hacked into. It is absolutely disgusting at what has taken place. And I think everyone in this House, and indeed this country, will be revolted by what they've heard and what they've seen on their television screens. Let me, if I may, Mr Speaker, make a, a couple of points. First of all, there is, and people need to know this, a major police investigation underway. It is one of the biggest police investigations currently underway in our country. And crucially, and I hope members opposite will listen to this, it does not involve police officers who were involved in the original investigation. That so clearly didn't get to the truth. But I do think it's important that we have inquiries, inquiries that are public, inquiries that are independent, and inquiries that have public confidence. It seems to me there are two vital issues we need to look into. The first is the original police inquiry and why that didn't get to the bottom of what has happened. And the second is about the behaviour of individual people and individual media organisations and, as the right honourable gentleman says, wide, a wider look into media practices and ethics in this country. Clearly, as he says, we cannot start all those all that sort of inquiry immediately because you must not jeopardise the police investigation. But it may be possible to start some of that work earlier. I'm very happy to discuss this with him, with other party leaders, with the Attorney General and the Cabinet Secretary to make sure we get this right and that lessons are learned from what has become a disgraceful episode. Mr Speaker, let me say to the Prime Minister that I am encouraged that he does recognise now the need for a full public inquiry into what happened. Now, he's right to say that this can only be fully completed after the police investigation has taken its course. However, as he said in his answer, that may take some years. It is possible, as I think he implied, for the Prime Minister to start the process now. So can I make some suggestions in that context? He should immediately appoint a senior figure, potentially a judge, to lead this inquiry, make clear it will have the power to call witnesses under oath, and establish clear terms of reference covering a number of key issues. The culture and practices of the industry, the nature of regulation, which is absolutely crucial, and also the relationship between the police and the media. I wonder whether he can. I wonder whether he can just respond on those points. I want to respond po positively, and let me let me do so. First of all, of the two issues that I mentioned, the conduct of the earlier police inquiry and the broader lessons about ethics in the media, I don't think it is possible to start any form of investigation into the former until the police investigation is completed, because I think there would be a uh, there would be a danger of jeopardising the current police inquiry. I do think. Responding positively to what he says, it may be possible to make a start on other elements. And as I say, I don't want us to rush this decision. I want us to get it right, having discussed it with other, with other party leaders, the Attorney General and the Cabinet Secretary. All too often, some of these inquiries can be set up too quickly without thinking through what actually needs to be done. Mr Ed Miliband. 
Mr Speaker, I, I think the Prime Minister is implying that this can start moving now. I think it's very important that it does so. Just because we can't do everything, it doesn't mean we can't do anything. Uh, and it is very, very important that we do so. And he did actually, a year ago to the day, actually, appoint an inquiry, the Gibson inquiry, into the treatment of detainees by the intelligence services with criminal cases still pending. Let, let, me, let me go on, Mr Speaker, to ask him about what happens in the meantime pending this public inquiry. We have consistently said that the B Sky B bid should be referred to the Competition Commission and not dealt with in the way that the Culture Secretary has done. I think the Prime Minister must realise the public will react with disbelief if next week the decision is taken to go ahead with this deal at a time when News, Interna when News International is subject to a major criminal investigation and we do not yet know who charges will be laid against. Does the Prime Minister agree that the B-Sky-B bid should now be referred to the Competition Commission to provide the breathing space that is required? First of all, let me answer his point about Gibson, because this is a, a good and fair point. We established the Gibson inquiry, but it hasn't been able to make much progress until uh, criminal um, proceedings have been brought to an end. And there is a good reason for this, is clearly you don't want to jeopardise a police operation, which you'd do so if you start questioning witnesses through a public inquiry process at the same time as they're being questioned through a police process. That's the reason for doing this. But believe me, I want us to get on with this issue and the faster we can set up other elements of an inquiry, inquiry the happier I will be. The, on the issue of B-Sky-B, what we have done here is followed, absolutely to the letter, the correct legal processes. That is what the government has to do. My right honourable friend, the Secretary of State, is in a quasi-judicial role. He has to follow that. I note that the, the, the leader of the Labour Party said yesterday that the issue of competition and plurality is a separate issue from the very important issue we're discussing today. What I would say is these processes must be followed properly, included by, including it by Ofcom, and it is Ofcom who have the duty to make a recommendation about fit and proper person. Those are the right processes. This government will behave in a proper way. Mr Ed Miliband. Mr Speaker, I'm afraid that answer was out of touch with millions of people. The public will not accept the idea that with this scandal engulfing the news of the world and News International, that the government should in the coming days, in the coming days, be making a decision outside of the normal processes for them to take control of one of the biggest media organisations in the country. I, I know this is difficult for him, but I strongly urge him to think again and send this decision to the proper authorities which is the Competition Commission. And as I say, this would provide breathing space for legitimacy and for the proper decisions to be made. I would say to him that the decision-making has been through the proper processes, and it's right that the government acts legally in every way, and that is what it, that is what it has done. One is an issue about morality and ethics and a police investigation that needs to be carried out in the proper way. They have total independence, I must do that. The other is an issue about plurality and competition, which has to act under the law. Those are the words that he used yesterday, and in just 24 hours he's done a U-turn in order to try and look good in the Commons. Mr Speaker, this is not the time for technicalities or low blows. We have said 
consistently throughout this process that this bid should be referred to the Competition Commission. This is the right way forward. And the Prime Minister, instead of engaging in technicality, should speak for the country on this issue. Want him to do. I hope he will go off from this question time and think again because it is in the interest of the media industry and the British public that this is properly referred to the Competition Commission in the way that all other bids are dealt with. Now, what, what we also know, Mr. Speaker, as well as needing a public inquiry, as well as needing the B Sky B bid referred to the Competition Commission, is that these were not the actions of a rogue individual or a rogue reporter, but part of a wider systematic pattern of abuses. The public see a major news organisation in this country where no one appears prepared to take responsibility for what happened. Nobody is denying that Millie Dowler's phone was hacked. And nobody is denying it happened on the watch of the current Chief Executive of News International, who was editor of the newspaper at the time. Will the Prime Minister join me if he believes in people taking responsibility, in saying that she should take responsibility and consider her position? Well, first of all, let me deal with this issue of technicalities. Because I have to say to him, when you're dealing, when you're dealing with the law, you have to look at the technicalities because there's something called due process that you have to follow. That is necessary for any government, and I'm sure he understands that. In terms of News International, everyone at News International has got to ask themselves some pretty searching questions, and everyone at News International is subject to what currently is one of the largest police investigations underway in this country. What I think is we should let the police do their work. They must follow the evidence wherever it leads, and if they find people guilty of wrongdoing, they should have no hesitation but in making sure they're prosecuted. Mr Speaker, I don't know from that answer whether he says that the Chief Executive of News International should stand down or not. I am clear she should take responsibility and stand down. And Mr Speaker, these events show a systematic set of abuses which demonstrate the use of power without responsibility in our country. It is in the interests of our democracy and the public that these issues are sorted out. With the biggest press scandal in modern times getting worse by the day, I'm afraid he hasn't shown the leadership necessary today. He hasn't shown the leadership necessary on B Sky B. He hasn't shown the leadership necessary on News International. And isn't it the case, if the public is to have confidence in him, he's got to come the thing that is most difficult. He's got to accept that he made a catastrophic error of judgment by bringing Andy Coulson into the heart of his Downing Street machine. What, what, what people... Order! Order! I apologise for interrupting the Prime Minister. The pr order. The Prime Minister should not have to shout to be heard, and neither, for that matter, should the Leader of the Opposition. It is thoroughly disorderly. The Prime Minister will now be heard. The Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I take full responsibility for everyone I employ, for everyone I appoint, and I take responsibility for everything my Government does. What this Government is doing is making sure that the fact the public, and I feel so appalled by what has happened, murder victims, terrorist victims, who have had their phones hacked, is quite disgraceful. That is why it's important 
important. There is a full police investigation with all the powers that they need. That's why it's important we have those inquiries to get to the bottom of what went wrong and the lessons that need to be learned. And that is why we also need to inquire how we improve the ethics and morals of the press in this country and make sure they improve for the future. That is what needs to be done. That's what this government is doing. And we don't have to take lectures from him about it. Nikki Morgan. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. The Year 9 pupils at Limehurst High School in my constituency have joined hundreds of other pupils to work on the Send My Sister to School campaign. Will the Prime Minister add his support to this cause? And shouldn't this campaign remind us that good education, whether here or overseas, transforms children's lives and their life chances? Now, I'm delighted to uh, welcome the campaign that she mentioned and her personal support for it. The fact is that ar across our world there are 39 million girls out of school, and even if they're in schools, the gender gaps we still see are appalling. What we're doing in the UK with our aid budget is we are securing schooling for 11 million children by 2015. That is more than we educate in the UK, but we will be able to do it at 2.5% of the cost. This is a good investment for Britain, for British taxpayers to make sure we reduce inequality in our world. Mr Gareth Thomas. Can the uh, Prime Minister explain whether he thinks that the cost of his NHS reforms, set to rise even further, we now know, with the revelation that a new super quango in the NHS is going to be created, might be partly responsible for the funding squeeze affecting health services in, in Harrow, putting at risk in particular services at the popular Alexandra Avenue Polyclinic in my constituency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what we've actually seen since this government has taken office is more than 2,000 more doctors, but 4,000 fewer managers. And we are cutting bureaucracy by a third. I know they don't like to hear it, but if we had followed their plans and cut NHS spending, you'd see the number of doctors, the number of nurses, the number of operations going down. And just this morning, we see the figures for the number of diagnostic tests in the UK going up. That's because of the investment going in under this government. Mike Freer. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, the Prime Minister will be aware of the news this morning that Portugal's debt has been downgraded to junk status. Does he not agree that it's a warning to every member of this House that you can't put off difficult decisions and the only plan B is bankruptcy? <laughs> friend is entirely right. Plan B stands for bankruptcy. We can see what happens if governments don't get a grip of their debt and their deficit. That's what this government is doing, but the party opposite have learnt nothing. Carl Turner. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the maximum sentence for the offence of dangerous driving does not properly reflect the potential harm caused to victims? Sometimes these victims are left paralysed and brain damaged. Will the Prime Minister support me and my front bench in increasing the maximum sentence to seven years? Now, I, I know that uh, the Honourable Gentleman speaks with great personal knowledge about this, not just because of a constituency case he wrote to me about, but also because of his work as a barrister before he came to this place. I do believe there's a problem when you've got a high sentence, rightly, for causing death by dangerous driving, but only this two-year sentence when, in the case he, he brought to me, someone was really uh, damaged permanently for life, and yet the maximum sentence is two years. In our sentencing bill, we're looking at this issue, and we hope to make some progress. Mr David Morris. Would the Prime Minister agree with me that the alleged bailout from the opposition of £10 billion is not that, that if we aren't in the IMF, um, we won't be a global player? And also, would you agree with me that the opposition need reminding that in the 1970s, the IMF bailed out their government? 
I know the Prime Minister will want to deal with the first part of the question, but not the second part, because it was disorderly. The Prime Minister. Um, uh, I absolutely agree with what my honourable friend said, and it was remarkable yesterday that the Labour Party have now put themselves in a position of actually opposing our involvement in the IMF. Britain is a serious global economy. We should take responsibility for serious global issues, including through the IMF. David Simpson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree that details of all the weapons and explosives decommissioned in Northern Ireland should be made public as promised? And will he agree to have negotiations with the Irish Government to move forward to the Americans to see that it happens? Well, the, po- the point is the Independent International Commissioning Commission on Decommissioning did not provide us with an inventory. They were an independent body, and this was a decision for them to take, difficult, I know, as that is. They stated, and I quote, we would not wish inadvertently to discourage future decommissioning events by groups that are actively engaged today, nor to deter groups that have decommissioned their arms from handing over any arms that may subsequently come to light. This is difficult, and we are all having to do, in Northern Ireland, as elsewhere in the world, difficult things in order to bring conflict to an end and keep conflict to an end, and that is what the Independent Commissioning Report was doing. Mr Adrian Sanders. The real issue about delaying an inquiry, the fact that the public have little confidence in the Metropolitan Police where investigations concerning News International are concerned. Can I remind him of the question asked on the 27th of April? Will he have a full judicial inquiry that looks particularly at the link between News International and the Metropolitan Police. Clearly, this is a very important issue. My honourable right honourable friend, the Home Secretary, has discussed it with the Commissioner of Metropolitan Police this morning, and, and they, they want to continue with the investigation that is underway. But let me try and reassure the House and the Honourable Gentleman about this point, because I think even before you get to the point about independent and public inquiries, what the public need to know is that the police are going to go about their job properly in terms of this investigation. And so they do need to know no, this is, an, an, this is a, an investigation completely separate from the previous investigation, and as it stands today, it is one of the largest police investigations going on anywhere in our country. Theresa Pierce. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, victims of knife crime in London have increased by more than 8% over the last three months. On the streets of London, we have children carrying knives and other children afraid of the journey to and from school. Last Friday, on a busy shopping parade, a 16-year-old constituent of mine was stabbed to death. Two children have been arrested in connection with this. What will the Prime Minister do to ensure that the Mayor of London gets a grip on this problem that was both one of the Mayor and the Prime Minister's election promises? Well, the case she raises is, is an absolutely tragic one, and there are still too many victims of knife crime, particularly amongst young people in our cities, particularly in London. What we are doing is creating a new offence with a mandatory prison sentence to send a very clear message to those who carry knives. The offence will apply to those with a knife who threaten and endanger others in a public place. They will send a clear message to those who possess a knife. If you threaten anyone, you go to jail. Mr Christopher Choke. Agree with me that those who pay back early their student loans are doing the right thing and should be encouraged. If so, how is that consistent with the government's policy, which is apparently one to discourage people from paying back early and indeed to penalise them for early repayment of student loans? I, I would urge my honourable friend, right, friend to look carefully at the detail of what we're proposing. Clearly, we want a progressive system where people who earn more pay 
pay back more, and that's why we have the system why nobody pays anything until they're earning 21,000, and you don't start paying back in full until you earn 35,000. But what we are proposing is that people who pay back, say, £3,000 a year uh, as they're earning m money shouldn't be discouraged because that is in many ways the right thing to do. Mr Toby Perkins. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In opposition, the Prime Minister was clear that his book, Taria, should be banned. Now that uh, last week he said uh, he fell back on exactly the same explanations that he refused to accept when they were given to him by the previous Prime Minister, what's changed? Well, what we have done is we've banned, we have banned the Tekriti Taliban, so we have taken action. But it is, as, I, as, I, as my right honourable friend, the, the Lord Chancellor, will, will hastily testify, it is endlessly frustrating that we are subject to so many legal requirements. But I'm afraid we have to be a government under the law. But help on... Thank you, Mr Speaker. Give it... The House order... The House will want to hear Mr Robert Halfon. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Given the Olympics and the Diamond Jubilee next year, is the Prime Minister aware that immigration and special branch officers at Stansted Airport are concerned that the common area travel channel in its current form allows illegal migrants, Islamists and terrorists into the country without their passports being checked? Will he take urgent steps to close this loophole immediately? Well, my honourable friend makes an important point, but what I would say is that, I mean, passport-free travel between the UK, the Crown Dependencies and the Republic of Ireland, that's been in place for many years and it does offer some real economic and social benefits. I do accept these routes can be open uh, to abuse and we're determined to resolve this. The UK border agency is working very closely with Ireland and others to make sure this happens, but we want to try to do that without disadvantaging people who've been able to take advantage of this common travel area uh, up to now. This is Mary Glyndon. The Community Secretary and the DWP Secretary have both said that British employers should employ British workers. So, will the Prime Minister stop the DWP offshoring existing jobs in North Tyneside to Bangalore? Yeah. 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 Well, I will, uh, of course, I will look. I will look closely at the case that she makes, but every government... Or I want to hear the Prime Minister's answer. <laughs> so is the House, the Prime Minister. What, what we need to do is make sure that our welfare reforms are encouraging those people who sit on welfare, who could work, actually go out to work. What we had under the party opposite, yes, economic growth, but five million working-age people living on benefits. That's not good enough, and we're going to change it. Mr Andrew Bingham. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would the Prime Minister agree with me that birthing centres in rural areas provide a valuable and irreplaceable service to their local communities, and every effort should be made to retain them? A message that I and hundreds of my constituents are sending to Derbyshire County NHS as they consider the future of the Corber Birthing Centre in my constituency of the High Peak. Now, I absolutely agree with my honourable friend. What we want to see is maternity networks so that mums can make a choice about where they give birth, whether that is in a community setting, midwife-led, or whether that is in a district general hospital where they have uh, all, all the uh, paraphernalia of consultants and the rest of it. It should be a choice made by them with their GP and others for what's right for their needs. This is Margaret Beckett. Is the Prime Minister aware that when yesterday Bombardier had to announce the redundancy, among others, of skilled engineers and designers, the company made public for the first time 
that they had offered to establish a new academy in this country for the design and manufacture of cars for the next generation of high-speed trains for this country and across the world, a global centre of excellence. More jobs and jobs with even higher skills. He won't have had time to familiarise himself with the detail of that, but will he undertake to look into it with care to give substance to the commitment he made in my constituency to British manufacturing? I, I will look very carefully at what the right honourable lady has said about this issue, but let me just say this, because obviously I want to see more British jobs in manufacturing, indeed as we are seeing across our country, but in, case of the bomb in the case of the Bombardier train contract, the procurement process was designed and initiated by the government of which she was a part. I have to say, we are bound by the criteria that they set out, and therefore we have to continue with the decision that has been made according to that criteria. Now, separately, we are setting out to ask the question, what more can we do within the current rules to make sure we boost manufacturing in our country and not have situations like this in the future? Mr Bob Blackman. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Twelve days ago, um, a young constituent of mine was the victim of a vicious knife attack. This last weekend, another 16-year-old young man was also the victim of a knife attack. Will my right hon. Friend join with me in condemning this upsurge in gang-related violence and confirm those, those that carry knives will, be, will face a custodial sentence if apprehended? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I've just, as, as I've just said to, to the hon. Lady opposite, I think it is important we send a clear message about this. We are doing that with the new offence that carries a mandatory sentence. That is a signal to anyone who is contemplating carrying a knife. But I think we should be frank with ourselves in this House and in the country that purely looking at this from a criminal justice situation isn't the answer. We've got to ask ourselves why are so many young children joining gangs? Why aren't our families and communities doing more to keep them close and prevent the carrying of knives? And that is something that runs right across government and indeed across our society as well. Ben Bradshaw. Uh, it is simply not the case, as the Prime Minister claimed earlier, that the government has followed the normal process in relation to the News Corp takeover of B Sky B. Why does he believe the assurances that News Corp executives have given are any more credible than the assurances they gave over phone hacking? Yeah. The point is we have followed the correct legal processes and indeed if you don't follow the correct legal processes you would be judicially reviewed and all the decisions that you would like to make from a political point of view would be struck down in the courts. You'd look pretty for a day but useless for a week. Mr Ian Swales. Thank you Mr Speaker. Order, if the House can overcome its collective mirth, it will give a hearing to Mr Ian Swales. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, last Friday I visited uh, Grangetown School in my constituency, which is the 17th most deprived primary school in the country. Will the Prime Minister join me in congratulating the school and community on their work to convert an area of demolished houses into a school playing field? And will he ensure the government continues with its pupil premium policy to support the school's excellent work? Well, I congratulate the Honourable Gentleman for the support he is showing to his local primary schools. I do believe that the pupil premium, which is going to pump billions extra into education, particularly for the most deprived children in the most deprived parts of our country, is going to make a huge difference to our schools. And for all of the noise opposite, 13 years they had to introduce a pupil premium. What did we get? Absolutely nothing. Order. Statement. The Prime Minister.